Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Well, it's Superhero Day here at um, Genesis today. And here's the thing. Whenever we hear the word hero, for most of us, our mind immediately goes to a Hollywood version of a superhero. And I know there's a few of them represented out here. I've seen Spider-Man and Captain America. I have Captain Marvel. Different superheroes is what our mind immediately goes to when we hear the word hero. Here's the thing, though. God wants each and every one of us to be heroes. He wants all of us to be everyday heroes. Good news is you don't need a funky costume. You don't need to wear tights. You don't need a butler. You don't need to be a billionaire. He wants to use every single one of us to be heroes in the world today. There was a Gallup poll was taken a few years ago, and This Gallup poll um, asked kids aged 13 to 17 who they would name, what adult they would name as a hero or somebody they would like to fashion their life after. 51% of kids ages 13 to 17 said they could not name a single person. And of the 49% who answered, 25% of those named sports athletes actors, and musicians as their heroes. And that really made me sad when I read those statistics. That's tragic. And the thing is this, no matter how old we are, we're always going to need heroes in our life. But we also need to strive to be heroes to other people. We're always going to need people that we look at and say, wow, I admire that. I would love to become like that. I would love to be a part of that. I know there's people for myself, you know, that I see and that I know, and, and some of them are here today, and there's parts of their lives I go, wow, that's what I need to be. That's what I need to grow towards. That needs to be what I'm aiming for. I'm also aware that because of the fact that I'm up here, that there are people who look at me maybe in parts of my life, and I'm aware of the fact that we all need heroes, but we also need to be heroes to other people. We need to model different characteristics that people are going to be looking for. Heroes shape our lives. Heroes build our character. Heroes inspire us to be more than we are. They challenge us to grow which is why, to be honest, we need to choose our heroes very, very, very carefully. Who is it that we're modeling our lives after? Who is it we're looking for? Psalm 16.3 says this, the godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. See, Sadly for us, the word hero is one of those overused words that gets used a lot. Uh, You know, like the word genius or the word idol or, you know, there are different words that are just completely overused. Most of the people who are called heroes today tend to be celebrities, not heroes. 
In fact, if anybody ever does anything particularly heroic or particularly um, good, it seems to be oftentimes we have to qualify it by putting the words real life in front of it. That person was a real life hero as opposed to a celebrity. It's not hard in 2019 to become a celebrity, it seems. You just need a YouTube channel and some way of communicating with the world or the like, reality shows, whatever it is. But there is a difference between celebrities and heroes. It's important that we differentiate between them. Celebrities make a big splash. Heroes make a big difference. Celebrities are all about image and fame. Heroes are all about character and service. Celebrities are famous for what they sacrifice for themselves. Heroes are those who sacrifice for others. Celebrities want everybody to serve them. Heroes focus on serving others. We need to strive to be heroes not celebrities. So what I wanted to do today is look at a few characteristics that are found in a hero. There's a lot of them, I cannot get to them all, but I want to look at three characteristics of a hero. And to do that, I want to look at a, a story that is found in the Old Testament. And it's a story that is found in the book of Daniel. It would tend to be the, probably the second most famous um, story in the book of Daniel. And it's about three young men and these young men are called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to actually look at that story in full. And then I want to see from that story, what is it that we can learn about becoming a hero? So here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue, 90 feet high and 9 feet thick. He set it up on the Dura Plain in the province of Babylon. He then ordered all the important leaders in the province everybody who was anybody, to the dedication ceremony of the statue. They all came for the dedication, all the important people, and took their places before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. A herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, Attention, everyone, every race, color, and creed, listen. When you hear the band strike up, all the trumpets and trombones, the tubers and the baritones, the drums and cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who does not kneel and worship shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. The band started to play, a huge band equipped with all the musical instruments of Babylon, and everyone, every race, color, and creed, fell to their knees and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Just then, some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You gave strict orders, our king, that when the big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions in the province of Babylon. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance. But from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I have made. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. 
Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry, and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace killed the man, men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it. While the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, Didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high god, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they really need shorter names, walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders and king's counselors, gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as torched the three men. Not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Therefore, I issue these, this decree. Anyone, anywhere, of any race, color, or creed who says anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and their houses torn down. There has never been a god who can pull off a rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. An amazing, amazing story when you look at it. Now, here's the deal. Hopefully Facebook Live is not working because I made fun of dad the other week for the goriness of the Mother's Day message, okay? And today we're talking about men being torn limb from limb and uh, dying in, in fires and whatever else. So hopefully we're, we're good. But an amazing story. And here we have these three men, young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were put into an incredible situation and came out of it completely heroic. And what I want to look at is what are some things that we can learn today from this story? And the first thing that I pull from this story is this. Real heroes stand for what's right. Real heroes stand for what's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have followed everybody else's lead. They knew what the punishment was. It had already been decreed. If you did not bow down to this statue, if you did not worship this idol, then you were going to be thrown into a furnace. But they chose to do what was right. You don't become a hero by doing what everybody else is doing. You become a hero by standing for what is right. Real heroes are willing to swim against the flow. See, 
one guarantee in any superhero movie is that there is going to be at least one, and possibly more than one, epic battle scene in it. There's going to be a huge, huge war at some point in this story, in the movie. And here's the thing. We are called to be superheroes, but the great news is this. You do not need to battle the Joker. You do not need to battle Thanos. You do not need to battle Loki. You don't need to take on these in these kind of Hollywood epic battles. But the chances are that most of us actually will face some battles this week. Ethical battles, moral battles, emotional battles, and things of that like. And actually, some of them will be quite epic. You may be thrown into a situation that is actually a big battle that you have within yourself or with others regarding this. And in all of these things, we have to be willing to stand up for the right thing, even if it means standing alone. Exodus 23 says, and it puts it as plain as it could be, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Every week we get to demonstrate character and be a hero by not following the crowd and doing what is wrong. When everybody else at work is maybe fudging their time cards, stealing from the company, doing other things that are not correct and are not right, if we do, you don't do them, then you are a hero. If you're a small business owner and everybody else is, is fiddling their taxes, not paying exactly what they should, not paying the full amount, working out a way to get out of doing that, and you don't, and you do the right thing, then you are a hero. If you're in school and the kids in school are doing drugs or they're drinking, getting drunk, or they're having sex outside of marriage, or doing anything like that, and you don't do it and you take a stand, you are a hero. When you're out with friends and they're making fun of others and they're gossiping or, or just talking about other people in a way that is not a right way to do it, and you don't and you step out from there, guess what? You are a hero. Now, let me just um, say this as a, as a quick aside, because I, I brought up the part about uh, drinking. There's actually one thing in the Bible that it tells you you don't want to be a hero of, believe it or not. Isaiah 5.22 says... What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. Whoa. One version actually says, destruction is certain for those who are heroes when it comes to drinking. I will remind you, I can see nothing from these lights, so I don't know who's here and who isn't, but I just wanted that felt in my heart I should share that this morning. Because for sometimes it can be that, you know what, you're getting drunk may seem like fun. It may seem like it's a good idea, but it doesn't make you a hero. You may feel like Superman or Wonder Woman while you're doing that, but the Bible is, gives you a plain warning here that it's not going to end well. Destruction pretty much means it's not a good ending for it. So just, you know, just throwing that out as a reminder. See, we all have a deep desire that we want to fit in. So standing alone, being alone, standing up for what's right, doing the right thing when nobody else is doing it, doesn't come naturally to us. 
to not any of us. There is not one of us in this room who that comes naturally to. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be part of the crowd. But sometimes to be a hero, that means we are going to have to stand up against the crowd. Uh, the other week, I talked about putting on love. And I, I talked about putting on love with everyone, but how it doesn't actually mean we don't have to approve of everyone's lifestyles, but we still need to love them. And that may mean, that love may actually come in the form of, sometimes we may have to talk up, and we may have to speak up for what we believe and what is right, even while loving that person who may not be living the way that we think that they should. Now, let me say this. Speaking up for the person in love, who we may approve of their lifestyle, will not come in the form of a Facebook rant or a, so, a social media meme, it's going to usually come in the form of a loving conversation and just saying, you know what, this is what I believe. This is what I think is right. And in the age of blanket tolerance, where you have to approve and be okay with everything that everybody does and not see a problem with any of it at all, because if you say anything, you are not going to be popular. It may be that our views actually are going to be ridiculed. It may be that we are mocked for our views. But if our views come from here, that's okay. Because we know what we're standing on, and we know that the Word of God never lies. So it may be not a popular stance that you have at times. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Don't live the way the, this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And you will agree that what he wants is right. His plan is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't live the way the world lives. You want to be a hero? You got to go a different course. You got to stand up for what's right. You have to make sure that you are swimming, oftentimes, completely against the, the crowd. Uh, Psalm 44 says this, blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your back on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. So I guess my question this morning is, are you willing to stand for what's right in the face of criticism? Are you willing to stand for what's right in the face of ridicule? Are you willing to stand for what's right even though it is not the popular way and it is not the way the world is going and it is not the way that the world is thinking? Are you willing to stand for what's right if there may be rejection comes from that? If you're a parent, are you willing to train your child on how to stand up for what's right? how to go God's way and not the way of the world. God is looking for heroes who are willing to go against the norm in their pursuit of him, not people who just want to be part of the crowd and who wanted to fit in. And that was the first thing that Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego did here. They stood when they were the only ones literally standing. Everybody else was on their knees, face to the ground, they stood their ground knowing that that was not what their God would want for them to do. So real heroes stand for what is right. Second thing I learned from this story is this. Real heroes take risks for God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a real risk. They knew that by not conforming their beliefs, 
By going against what King Nebuchadnezzar had ordered, nobody has short names in this story. Have you worked that out yet? They stood alone while others bowed and they risked execution. We are a completely blessed people that we are sitting here this morning in a church without the risk that our lives may be taken for being here. I, I read a, an incredible headline, and I, I need to find the article and read it, about how Christians in China are now memorizing the entire Bible because their Bibles are contraband and they get taken away. So they are now memorizing the entire book. And I couldn't imagine be, having to do that. How blessed are we? Most of us have multiple copies of the Bible without risk or harm. But we actually take, sometimes take these freedoms for granted. And this story kind of is a reminder that we shouldn't. But real heroes aren't afraid to go out on a limb. They know that that's where the fruit is. They know that that's where the reward is. Real heroes defy the odds. They may not always risk their lives, but they may risk failure. They may risk rejection. They may risk criticism. They may risk financial means. But they want to go after the dream in order to be who God calls them to be. We are all sitting in here this morning because two people who happen to be my parents actually took a risk 21 years ago. They walked away from a sure thing. They walked away from what they were doing because they felt God had called them to do this and to plant a church that was different. And we are all sitting here because of that today. But when they set out, they did not know how that was going to go. No idea, 21 years later, that this is where we would be and this is what this would look like. They just set out risking because they felt that that was what God had called them to be. And my dad tends to be a bit of a risk taker. I am completely risk averse, I'll be honest with you. I weigh pros and cons and whatever else and I work it out and I measure things and I, I go there. But for them, they took a risk and that is why. So the question is today, what are we risking? Um, so what is it that keeps us from taking risks? Could it be because we want to be comfortable and stretching ourselves tends to get a little uncomfortable? It may mean that I need to get my hands dirty and I'm not really big on that. In some form of ministry, I may need to become hands-on and I'd rather just be step back, a step removed. We may be afraid of being hurt. We may be afraid of failing. Here's the thing, failure is actually not fatal. Failure is not final. So many heroes who have gone before us have failed and often have failed over and over and over again. And actually, you're never a failure until you give up. And to be honest, failure is usually not as bad as the fear of failure. And here's what I mean by that. The fear of failure plays over and over and over and over and over again because we're afraid of it, we keep thinking about it. Failure is like one and done. You're failed, it's done, it's over, you move on. The fear of failure can be something that can go on and on and on. If you fail, you just fail. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble 
when calamity strikes. I love this verse for this reason, because here's what it says. Even good people are going to mess up, and they're going to fall, and they're going to fail. Righteous people are going to mess up. Nobody gets through life with a string of successes. Not one person is going to get through life with a 100-0 record. We are all going to have failures that happen to us throughout our life. You risk, and sometimes it pays off, and you risk, and sometimes it doesn't pay off. But God can use both, and God loves to use both. So when it comes to taking risks, here's the thing. You're looking at a win-win situation. Every part of your story, win, lose, or draw, can be used by God and be used for his glory. And to be honest, sometimes the failures make a better story and you become more relatable to other people when they see that you risked and you failed and you're still standing and you're still going and God is still using you. Every part of your story. So if you fail, God can still use that part. So what risks is God looking at us maybe for wanting us to take? Risk of sharing the gospel with somebody? Going to somebody and ask for forgiveness? What about reaching out to somebody who you've been estranged from and you haven't spoken to in a long time and there's bad blood between you? What about the risk financially? Maybe, you know, tithing, giving to a ministry, doing whatever. What risks is it that God's looking for? See, here's the thing when it comes to taking risks. We're playing with house money when it comes to taking risks. Not entirely sure I'm supposed to use gambling terms when I preach, so if we could just forget that I said that, but you know what I mean, right? We're, it's not, nothing that I am risking is mine. If I'm risking my money, my money is not mine. It all belongs to God. I only have money because God blesses me with it. If it comes to it and I have to risk my life, that's okay. My life is just a temporary thing. I have a whole longer period that I'm going to be standing in eternity. So my life, my reputation, if I'm afraid of what people think of me, if I step out, if I'm afraid of what people are going to say about me, remember some of the people that Jesus hung out with. Your reputation, again, is a temporary thing. It is not yours, okay? So all of these things that we are risking aren't actually mine. Risking my time, and for a lot of us, time is the biggest thing that we hold onto because it is such a precious commodity. Here's the thing. I've never seen anybody outgive God on time. And what I mean is this. If you are doing God's work, there will always be enough hours in the day. And I can tell you, and I've seen that over and over, and I've lived it in my own life. There are always going to be enough time. It almost becomes an elastic thing. There is nothing I can risk that is actually mine Anyway, there was a missionary, um, some of you may have heard of him, and if you haven't, let me encourage you, I'm just going to give you the summary of his life. Google Jim Elliott. It's an incredible story. So Jim Elliott was a missionary, and him and a group of others were missionaries in Ecuador in the 1950s. They went into the deep, deep jungle to reach out to tribes that nobody had ever reached with the gospel before. Um, due to one tribe member who, who spread some untruths about them. Actually, Jim Elliott and three others were murdered by the tribe that they were reaching out to um, during their time down there. 
He was 28 at the time. And one of his most famous quotes was actually written six years before he died. And it's such a challenging quote. You may have heard it before. I, I, I love it. And it says this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. There is nothing that we are risking that we are going to be holding onto at the end of the day anyway. So to encourage you, take risks for God, because guess what? We're going to end up with something that we cannot lose at the end of the day. Anyway, God has promised us that. Jesus made it possible for that to happen. We are going to be with God, and that is promised to us. Going back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3.16, it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But this part, but even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. Real heroes know that my story is not mine to write anyway. My story is God's to write, and God has written it, and he knows how each part of it plays out. So you know what? When I stand up for what's right, when I take risks, I'm not affecting how my story is going to go. God has that already planned. He has that already written. So the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right here, even if he doesn't, even if it doesn't go to plan, even if you fail when you take a risk, it's all part of God's story for you. It's all part of what God has planned for you. And they were so sure in their faith, they were so sure in their trust that they were okay with whatever happens, we just know we cannot be the ones who bow down before your idol. We know that either God will save us, but even if he doesn't, He's got us. We're in his hands. We're part of his family. He's going to take care of us. He will take care of us. We were just singing that song right now, right? I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. When you take risks, when you risk failure, when you risk whatever hurt, when you risk standing alone, God, we know if we trust in him, we won't be shaken because he's already got it written, and he already has it planned. Of course, risking is another word for faith, so what is it that you need to step out in faith in this morning? What is it you need to say, you know what, God, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to go. I have no idea if this is, I'm going to fail at this. I have no idea if I'm going to win at this. I have no idea if I can pull this off. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter because I am willing to step out because I believe this is what you want me to do today. This is what you want to be a part of my story. What is God impressing on you this morning that he wants you to do? I've sat in those seats enough. I know how this goes. Sometimes the little voice starts to talk to you and remind you of the things that God has told you, remind you of the things that God has been whispering in your ear. What is it, God, you want me to do? What do you want me to be a part of? What is that thing that I could never do alone and I can never imagine doing that you want to be a part of this morning? Real heroes take risks for God. The other thing I find from this story, real heroes make sacrifices for others. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three of the highest profile Jews in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. The fourth one, of course, was higher up than them, was Daniel. He wasn't here this particular day, but they were the highest profile Jews, and they were the only Jews who were here on this day that Nebuchadnezzar unveiled this statue and told everybody they had to kneel and worship it. The thing that I learned and the thing that stands out for me um, from this story is this. The Jewish nation only worshipped one God, Jehovah, the true God. All the other nations had a plethora of gods. They had a lot of them. So to be honest, being told that they had to worship one more idol or statue really was no skin off their nose. It was okay because they already had a bunch of them. What's one more? But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this went completely against their faith. But they were also representing the Jewish um, community on that day. And they would have been aware that they, if, if they had caved if they had bowed down to this statue on this particular day, then actually their actions would have affected the whole of the Jewish nation because then everybody else would have been forced to do the same because they would have said, well, you know what? Those guys who are over you, they did it. You all have to do it too. So in sacrificing and saying, you know what, standing for what was right, in taking a risk, they were actually sacrificing because they were saying, you know what, we realize that if we were, we are sacrificing ourselves for others because whatever we do, they would have to do the same thing as us. See, a lot of people will make sacrifices for themselves. People will sacrifice their health in order to make more money. Work 70, 80 hours a week, whatever it is, keep going, keep driving, keep striving to make more money. People will sacrifice relationships in order to achieve certain goals. Sorry, don't have time to hang out with you, have to work. Sorry, I have this going on. Whatever it is, no time to make relationships. Entrepreneurs may sacrifice to get wealthy. Actors may sacrifice to become famous. Athletes may sacrifice to be the best at their sport. But heroes put the needs of others ahead of their own. Heroes, in fact, sometimes put the needs of total strangers ahead of their own. Oftentimes when you see somebody who's done heroic, it is completely an absolute stranger that they have sacrificed for. Matthew 20, 26 says this, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. How do you become a great hero? Not by becoming a celebrity. You become a great hero by becoming a servant. See, there are not many people out there in life whose goal is to see how many people can I serve. When you are young, you do not think, okay, when I'm older, I'm going to see how many people I can serve. Usually, the goal is, for most people, I want to get to a place where I have people serving me. I have people waiting for on me. I have people who are taking care of me. And oftentimes, that's how we tell how important somebody is. Let's see how many people they have serving them. The world says, think of yourself because you deserve it. Get others to serve you. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Being Christ-like doesn't mean that you have to do the spectacular, let me just say. 
You don't have to have your actions broadcast for you, everybody to see. You don't have to collect accolades for them, become famous for what you've done. You don't have to be spectacular to be a hero. You have to be a servant to be a hero. Matthew 10:42. and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I love this, least of my followers. So here's the good news this morning. If you work with our kids, God says you're going to be rewarded. If you work with our teens, God says he's going to take care of you, and God bless you, you need it, okay? If you work with our outreach or with our food pantry or any of those different areas, our teams to the Dominican Republic, God says you will surely be rewarded because you are serving the least of these. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 says, Speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the down and outers. Speak out for justice. Stand out for the poor and the destitute. So the reference here mentions a special category where we need to be heroes. See, the purpose of influence is not so you can be famous. If I get to be influential in life, it's not to make me great. The purpose of influence is so that you can help other people who have no influence. So maybe this morning God is calling you to an area like that. Maybe God is calling you to work with our kids. Maybe God is calling you to work with our teens, with our outreach, with our pantry, to come on a Dominican Republic trip. Maybe that is an area where God is um, speaking out to you about that, or maybe there's another way. So this morning, let me challenge you. Is there an area in your life where you're sacrificing to serve others on a regular basis? Let me say that again. Is there an area in your life where you're sacrificing to serve others on a regular basis? Nobody pays you to do it. There's not any big reward in it, but you're just doing it out of the goodness of your heart to bring glory to Jesus' name. Because real heroes make sacrifices for others. Let me encourage you this morning, every single one of us, has it within us to be a hero. We may not be laying our lives on the line like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did here, but God wants to use every single person sitting here today. You may say, no, God couldn't use me. Yes, he could. Yes, he could, and he wants to. So this morning, let me just encourage you. Real heroes stand up for what's right. Real heroes stand up even if it makes it hard for them. Real heroes take risks for God. And finally, real heroes make sacrifices for others. It is within all of us to do all or some of those every day. And let me encourage you, that's what we're shooting for. It is not Hollywood's version of a superhero that we want to strive to be. It is God's version of a hero that we, can, that we want to strive to be. So today, let me challenge you. As you go out from here, as you go out to do your Father's Day things, what is it that you could do that is making a difference to make yourself maybe as a hero and a role model to others? And also, who can you be looking towards as a hero and a role model? And let's really, really strive to be great ones for the kids in our lives, the kids in our church family, those around us, so that they could look up to us and would be able to say, those are the people I would like to model my life after. Let's pray.